Our next reading of scripture is coming from the book of Revelation. From Revelation chapter 12, verses 9, I'm sorry, verses 1 through 9. Revelation 12, 1 through 9. A great portent appeared in the heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out with birth pangs in the agony of giving birth. Then another portent appeared in the heaven, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems upon his head. His tail swept down a third of the stars in the heaven and threw them to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child, that he may devour her child as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was snatched away and taken to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has been a place prepared for her by God, so that there she can be nourished for 1,260 days. And a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, but the dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to steal Tim's lectern here because I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Here you go, sir. Um, I'm not going to sing, I promise. Years ago, back in the olden days, I used to go around the conference doing dog and pony shows about different subjects. And one of the subjects I talked about was John Wesley's ministry to the poor. So I would come to a church and I would talk to him about what, how John Wesley ministered to the poor. And I would talk and I would teach and I would quote the Bible. And I would say these things, you know, the Bible says this and says this. And, yeah. and then I'd finally I'd kind of ended up with saying, you know, because the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. And everyone nods. And I'll say, that's not in the Bible. That's in Poor Richard's Almanac. God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. There's a lot of things that we think they're in the Bible that are not in the Bible. And I think one of the things that we need to think and know the most about in that regard is the devil. Because if you get on Facebook right now, you're going to see that everybody who disagrees with you is an agent of the devil, correct? And so I think it's really important for those of us that call ourselves Christian to understand what the Bible actually says about the devil. Not what Facebook says. Not what YouTube says. Not what others say, but what does God's word actually say to us about the Bible? Because what I found is that so much of what we actually believe is not found in scripture, but it's found in culture or it's found in what we've heard, but not actually what we've read in God's word. Because, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, in the very beginning was Satan and that he tempted Eve and she ate the apple, right? Well, if you're paying attention, you know that's a trick question. The Bible doesn't tell us what kind of fruit she ate. The Bible simply tells us that it was fruit and that it was pleasing to the eye. We get the apple from John Milton in the 1500s. It's John Milton in his epic poem, Paradise Lost, that tells us it was an apple. But that isn't found in the scriptures. So what I found is that a lot of what we believe about the devil and frankly about a whole lot of other things isn't grounded in scripture but it's kind of what we've read somewhere else, what someone else has told us. And in today's world, what we see on social media and things like that. So in this world where we're told everybody's the devil, 
I think it's important for us to actually say, hey, as Christians, what does God's word actually tell us about the devil? So over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking different accounts in Scripture about the devil. The next few weeks, we're going to look at some deeper stories. Today, I got that down here because I want to keep my notes in front of me. Because we're going to, I hope you got your running shoes on. Hope you brought your Bible and hope you brought your running shoes because we're going to run through the Bible today and look at several different passages. You know, normally my preaching style is I'll take a single verse or single passage and we'll talk about it more in depth. Today, we're going to look at a lot of the passages in the Bible that talk about the devil, that name part of his character, and talk about who he is. We're not going to look at some of the deeper accounts where people encounter the devil, like when Jesus was tempted or Job. We'll get to those later. But today, I just want to look at several Bible verses that give us some insight into what Scripture says about the devil. But first, I want to start off with a quote by C.S. Lewis. Uh, if you're looking for a book to read during Lent, I cannot more highly recommend The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. If you've not read The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, you need to read it. It's a great book about an older devil in hell, Wormwood, writing to his younger nephew, Screwtape, about ways that he can stop Christians from growing. And in the beginning of the book, Lewis writes a little essay, and in it he says this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe, but to feel an excessive or unhealthy interest in them. They are equally pleased by both errors, and hail a materialist or a magician in the same delight. What does that mean? There are two mistakes of the devil. One's to disbelieve in his existence, and one is to become infatuated with him. And both mistakes are wrong. We're going to find out today what the Bible actually says about who the devil is, and what we should actually believe about who the devil is. So we don't want to ignore him or pretend like he's not there because he is. But likewise, the fact that I got a headache is not the devil. So I'm drinking too much coffee. Okay? Let's, let's try to ground what we believe particularly on things like this, what Scripture tells us. Not with what we have been told or what we read on Facebook, but what the Bible actually says. So, who is he? We see in, now Revelation's an interesting book. I'm not a Revelation expert. I, I, I'm not, I, I do not pretend to be. Revelation's an interesting book. One thing that's interesting about Revelation is Revelation is, doesn't follow a linear timeline. It doesn't go from A to B to C. Because in the story we read this morning just now, we see it out of order. The first section is about the birth of Christ. We see this dramatic cosmic scene of how the devil is longing to stop Christ. Think of all the times in Jesus' life where somebody tried to kill him. All throughout Jesus' life, the devil's trying to stop him. So we see this first part with that child being born. That's Jesus. The woman is Mary. The devil's trying to destroy him. But I want you to pay attention to the second part where it says, A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated. There was this great cosmic war in heaven that this scripture tells us about. When an angel, by the name of Lucifer, or the devil, or Satan, rebelled against God, the scriptures tell us he swiped a third of the stars in the heaven from the sky. You need to understand this about the devil. He's big and he's bad, but he is not God's equal. Okay, we're going to unpack that in a little bit more in just one second. But we see here that the devil was a created being. He was an angel who went to war against God and took a third of the angels with him. But he is not God's equal. He is simply a created being. The devil was defeated. We see here, y'all, the, the, the devil and God don't have a rivalry 
like a hammer and a nail don't have a rivalry, okay? The hammer always wins. The devil has already been defeated, okay? Through the cross and through the empty grave, the devil has already been defeated. And, it's, and God's just running out the clock till the devil is forever destroyed and forever judged. The devil cannot defeat God. One of the things, y'all, that irritates me is this. When I hear somebody say, this is a threat to the gospel or this is a threat to the church. How weak is your God if you think any human can thwart the plans of God? How weak is your, and ineffectual is your God if some moron from Bogachita can thwart God's plans? Okay? Nothing is a threat to the sovereign God of heaven. And we need to extinguish that thought from our heads. There is no threat to God. There is no threat to the church. The Bible says the gates of hell will not triumph against Christ in this church. We got to stop being afraid of everything, y'all. Seriously. Stop being mad at everybody. Stop being afraid of everything. Because if you believe the Bible... Nothing is a threat to God. Nothing is a threat to the church. God will win, okay? The devil cannot threaten God. We can't threaten God. He's the sovereign God of the heaven and the angel armies. We are insignificant humans compared to him. He is sovereign. I'm probably not going to make it to 60, okay? God's got this. Some Bible verses to look at. 1 Peter 5.8 says, He is like a roaring lion seeking who he may destroy. Notice it says, He's like a lion. He isn't a lion. Who is the lion in Scripture? Jesus. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Even in trying to be a lion, he's lying. I say, He is a lying lion. He is not a lion. He pretends to be big and bad, but he is not. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says he comes as an angel of light. John 4, 8, 4 says this. He is the father of all us. Guys, here's what you need. If you don't remember anything I tell you, remember this. Remember this. This is what you need to remember. The devil is always lying. He is a liar. He is the father of all lies. If his lips are moving, he is lying. Okay? Temptation is always a lie. Remember that. Put that deep in your brain. Temptation is always a lie. Temptation says, hey, 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 they'll never know. They'll never know. Hey, what, 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 what's it going to hurt? What's it going to hurt? Hey, 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 you deserve this, don't you? Temptation doesn't come to you and say, hey, I got a foolproof plan. In 10 years, you can be divorced and broke. Temptation doesn't come to you with that, does it? No. It tries to pull the covers over your eyes. It's always a lie. You're never tempted. Hey, 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 nobody's looking. Go eat that broccoli. Hey, 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 I know this. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, wake up early and read your Bible. You're not tempted to that, are you? No. You're tempted to the things that are destructive. Bishop Ward said years ago, and I remember this quote. Bishop Ward said once, temptation 
promises short-term pleasure, but results in long-term destruction. A discipline promises short-term pain, but results in long-term life. Y'all, the devil is the father of all lies. Temptation is always a lie. It's always a lie. It's always a lie. It will destroy you. John 10, 10, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The devil wants to rob our joy, kill us, and destroy us for all of eternity. The devil's only desire is to wage war, as we see in Revelation, against God and God's Christian. No, it's not a war he's going to win. He's not going to win the war, but he's sure going to rage it. The devil wants to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that we may have life. Jesus tells us that if we resist the devil, he can be, if we resist the devil, he will flee. James 4, 7. And it tells us um, that, uh, th- that Jesus came in 1 John 3, 8. And by the way, if you want these passages, email me. I'll email all this to you if you want these passages. Uh, it tells us in 1 John 3, 8 that Jesus came to destroy the devil and destroy the works of the devil. The devil came to wage war and destroy God's work. Jesus came to destroy the devil and his works. And what is the ultimate work of the devil? Death, sin, and the grave. And what did Jesus destroy on Easter? Death, sin, and the grave. The devil tries to wage war against God and God's creation. And Jesus came to destroy forever the works of the devil and the works of what he has done. One other thing about the devil, this you need to understand. Y'all, the devil's orthodox. He's got really good theology. Because what we have done is we have made faith this. We have made faith intellectual agreement. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I intellectually believe these things, so I'm good, right? James, it says in, uh, in James 2.19, you believe that God is one. You do well. The devil believes and shudders. Faith is not intellectual agreement to the truth of God. Faith is submission of your life to Jesus Christ. Faith is not merely believing right, because the devil believes right. That's what the Bible says, James 2.9. The devil believes right. It's not simply believing right, but rather it is submitting our life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is what Christianity is. That is what faith is. Not intellectual agreement, but submission to Jesus as Lord. That's why the devil's not a Christian, because he believes right, but he rebels against God and refuses to submit himself to God. So remember, the devil is a created being. He's not omnipresent, meaning he's not everywhere. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He's not in all places. And so much of what we battle with, the Bible paints a picture as this. We, Paul talks a lot about our flesh. Our internal battles are against flesh. The devil's an external force. It says in James 1, 13 through 15, it says this. No one when tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself tempts no one. But when one is tempted by, God, by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it, then that gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it's grown, gives birth to death. 
We battle against the flesh internally. Our temptations, our struggles, our fears, our doubts, our lusts, our pride, these things. This is an internal battle that we battle against. The devil's on the external, dangling the shiny things at the corners of our eyes. He's bringing temptation externally. So we battle against the internal flesh, the product of the fall. Next week we'll talk about Genesis 3, where we fail, and what that did to our desires and corrupted them. So we battle against the internal flesh, but the external temptations of the devil. So we battle internally and externally while knowing this, that Jesus Christ has triumphed over all of this. We can't defeat our flesh by ourselves. We can't defeat the devil by ourselves. And by the way, I keep saying the devil. There's one, there's one entity that is the devil, Lucifer, the fallen angel. He's not everywhere. Most of us have probably never encountered the devil. We've encountered fallen angels that are demons. I, I say the devil is after the big fish, like the Pope, or back in the old days, I'd say Hugh Freeze, but that joke doesn't work anymore. But the devil's after those things. We are dealing more probably with demonic influences and demonic presences. But we fight with the internal fight of our flesh, the external flight, fight of the devil. But the fight, friends, has already been won. The devil has been overcome through the blood of the lamb. Yes, he is strong and he is mighty and he is big, but he is not God's equal. And he is not a threat to Christ or his church. For Christ has overcome all things, including the devil. So we do not live afraid. We do not live in fear. We do not live infatuated with evil or the devil, but we live knowing that it's real and exists, and that we're called to fight against it. But we fight not with our own flesh, but we fight with the power and the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ. For he has overcome, and through him we overcome. And the devil, though he is strong, he is not stronger than Jesus. Because as the Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So know who our enemy is. Our enemy is not another person. Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the principalities, and the rulers of this dark age. Our enemy is the devil. Yes, he is big. Yes, he is bad. But he has been defeated by Christ. So we live not in fear, friends. We live in victory. We live in victory, for the Lamb has overcome. Let us pray.